0: Business Brief listeners, this is Siggy Reese. Before we get into this week's episode, we have a quick favor to ask. We're looking to improve our show and we want to hear from you. If you have three minutes to answer a few questions, go to the show notes for this week's episode and click the link to our short survey. We would love to hear from you. And now here's Business Brief. This week on Business Brief, we'll dig into the impact of the Silicon Valley bank and signature bank failures on Missouri. Then, we'll hear about the keys to success when pitching a business. Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. My name is Siggy Reese, and I'm joined by my co-host, Teddy Majorca. Teddy, how are you doing this week?
1: Siggy, I have been good. It has been a wild week of business news. The second and third largest bank collapses in U.S. history this week and more business headlines we'll have more on the bank failures later this episode
0: yeah it's definitely been a very eventful week obviously the bank collapses dominated headlines but there have also been some big business stories right here in missouri
1: let's dive into those with this week's headlines let's do it federal officials approved a merger between railroad companies kansas city southern and canadian pacific on wednesday The new railroad company, Canadian Pacific Kansas City, will have a network spanning from Canada to Mexico. The $31 billion merger comes after residents along the railway have advocated against the deal due to safety concerns.
0: Prices rose 6 percent in February from a year earlier, according to the new Consumer Price Index released this week. That was a slight decrease from the 6.4 percent rise in January, but inflation still remains well above the Federal Reserve Bank's target 2 percent. Unemployment increased last month, with the U.S. adding over 300,000 jobs, above what economists had predicted. That data will inform the Federal Reserve Bank's decision regarding interest rates when the central bank meets next week.
1: And Diamond Sports Group, the owner of Bali Sports Midwest, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy earlier this week. Bali Sports is the broadcast partner for the Kansas City Royals, St. Louis Cardinals, and the St. Louis Blues. Diamond Sports Group says broadcast operations shouldn't be interrupted due to the bankruptcy.
0: Kansas City-based restaurant chain Hawaiian Bros is expanding again. The fast-casual Hawaiian chain recently made a franchising deal with Stein Enterprises to open 75 new locations in Arizona and North Texas. Hawaiian Bros expects the agreement to help expand its reach to hundreds of locations in the next few years. Business Brief will continue after this short ad break.
2: Hi, this is Fred Perry, host of the CEO Roundtable. Join Mid-Missouri's most successful businesses on Wednesday, May 3rd, as we gather for the Show Me LeaderCast event in Columbia at Woodcrest Auditorium. This annual tradition brings together the world's leading authorities on leadership for a simulcast event with lots of local fun, education, and entertainment. This year, we'll hear from Dr. Andy Stanley, Dr. Henry Cloud, plus six other great speakers. General admission and group ticket pricing is now available at showmeleadercast.com. Are you
3: ready to be inspired? Since 2013, That's What She Said has provided a platform for women's inspirational voices, strengthening communities across the country. On Saturday, April 15th at 7 p.m. at the Missouri Theater, the inaugural That's What She Said Columbia, presented by Accounting Plus, will feature the powerful stories of women from our community. 25% of the ticket sales will support True North of Columbia. Find us at Facebook.com slash She Said Como and purchase your tickets now for an event you're sure to remember long after the curtain closes.
1: For our next story, we'll take a look at what the recent Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank failures could mean in Missouri. I'm joined by Missouri Business Alert reporter Dan Micah, who covered some local responses to the collapse. Dan, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Teddy. So, Dan, what happened to Silicon Valley
2: Bank last week, and what's happened since? Silicon Valley Bank uh, was the lender of choice for a lot of venture capital companies, a lot of companies backed by venture capital. Uh, It really was the industry go-to. Estimates were about half of VC-backed startups across the country held their cash there. So you can really think of SVB as the central hub for money coming in and out of these companies, you know, heading into people's bank accounts uh, on payday, uh, paying suppliers, getting payments in. Gotcha. So Silicon Valley Bank wasn't the only bank collapse in
1: the past few days, too. So what else failed and what does that mean for the rest of the banking sector?
2: So last week, uh, the bank uh, effectively just due to poor hedging and uh, due to Um, really kind of a a little bit of panic on the end of some VCs had a large run on its assets, and it lost several billion dollars worth of of assets that it couldn't shore up because, again, it wasn't particularly well hedged. So on Friday, uh, the California regulators uh, took it over and then handed control over to the FDIC, which has been maintaining it and trying to uh, really, just trying to figure out what to do with this bank that still has a lot of assets in it. It just faced more of a liquidity crisis. It just, you know, it just couldn't actually give people the money that it demanded, which led to it collapsing. So, Signature Bank in New York, uh, a quote-unquote mid-sized bank, uh, when we we're talking about the scale of banks. Uh, was taken over by federal regulators last Sunday but the federal officials were saying that it was a threat to the stability of the banking system as a whole between these two banks there was a real a real chill down the spine of financial markets just worried about the stability of this you know large middle sector you can say of the index that was that's tracking banks and financial institutions in the S- S&P 500 uh, as of Wednesday it was down about 13% on the month while the index that tracks is the, the mid-sized regional banks, like SVB and Signature Bank, is down more than 30%. I want to talk about, you visited Missouri
1: Startup Weekend Friday when the news first hit. What were people saying about SVB's collapse? What was that immediate reaction?
2: Yeah, that was very fresh, and that was sending a lot of panic about operations. Uh, one uh, VC uh, investor who was organizing the event told me that several of his investor friends said, texted him that afternoon to say, I can't come. I have to make sure that my portfolio companies can pay their bills and pay their employees on Monday. So they were already looking to kind of use more of the cash that they had already, weren't looking to raise as much in, in funding to fund their operations. Really, when SVB stops uh, allowing money to be moved in and out of the system on Friday, it's as if someone in the back seat pulls the handbrake and the entire car just like you know, stops in a lurch. And right now, I would say the entire banking system is in a little bit of trying to figure out, you know, how to get out of this whiplash. How tied is Missouri's startup industry to Silicon Valley Bank? A couple of startup owners that I talked to there has said that um, it's not as much as it would be for if you were um, on the coast. Uh, There were a lot of relationship banking going on where, VCs would say, you know, if we give you this investment, you have to bank with Silicon Valley Bank. But at least within Missouri, you know, a lot of people that did not have money in S V B on Friday were saying, you know, I'm jittery. Um and people who did have money in S V B were full on panicking and wondering if those if that cash is just a lost cause and that they're gonna have to write it off.
1: What happens now, Dan?
2: This is just such a fast moving situation. Um, in terms of just you know the, the the stock prices of these smaller banks and just the question of you know does the Fed continue to hike rates as much as it wants to at that fifty basis point level that it did last month when the global when the global banking system seems more fragile you know are there other dominoes that will fall are we going to see more assets moved around from banks that are in this you know midsize or you know smaller community banks. Are we going to see people pull their money out and put it in the big four and lead to this consolidation that um, that regulators don't like and Congress certainly doesn't like? I would say for the moment, it seems that um, at least on Thursday trading, the markets are starting to settle down a little bit and say we're no longer at the cliff. We're close to a cliff, but we're no longer like looking over it.
0: For our next story, we'll hear from a Columbia entrepreneur and investor about
1: ways to successfully
0: pitch a business.
1: Interesting. So who will we be hearing from?
0: The conversation is with Kelsey Raymond, the founder of content marketing and public relations agency Influence & Co. Raymond helped bring Startup Weekend to Columbia and served as a judge this year.
1: Very nice. So what did she have to say about pitching?
0: Well, when you only have a few minutes to pitch, sharing the right information could be the key to getting funding. Missouri Business Alert reporter Emily Hood spoke to Raymond about her advice for successful pitching. Here's part of that conversation.
3: Kelsey, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Emily. What are some of the keys to a good elevator pitch? It's not rocket science, but it's understanding what is the problem you are looking to solve. There has to be a real problem. There has to be some pain point. What is your solution? And what is unique about it? The mistakes that I see people make so often is they get really into the weeds on the details or the features instead of really focusing on like the benefits and the solution. So they'll tell you about, you know, an app that they want to create and all of a sudden they've been talking for 5 minutes about what this button's going to do and what that button's going to do and I don't really even understand why the heck does anybody even want this app? So really, when you have a short period of time, don't get bogged down in the details, really focus on what is the solution and why is it unique from others in the marketplace. And what would you say are some keys for developing a pitch for kind of an early stage business or early stage startup that may just be trying to raise funding versus a business that's a bit more established? I hear pitches all the time. And the things that I think are really important when you're pitching like early stage investors are again, what's the problem? What's the solution? But what I'm really looking for is why are you uniquely qualified to solve this problem? And sometimes it might be because they personally have experienced the pain and they are like so passionate about finding a solution. It might be that their education or their lived experience gives them a unique perspective on this problem, that others are not looking at it the same way. Um, But that I think is something that is sometimes missed in a pitch is like, cool, this might be a great idea, but if I'm investing, I'm not just investing in the idea, I'm really investing in my belief in you as a founder to execute on this idea. Absolutely. And that transitions well here into my next question, talking about the difference between pitching a customer versus pitching an investor. You've hit on this a bit here in this conversation, but can you walk through what some of those differences in those pitches look like? When you're pitching a customer, you're making it really personalized to them and their problem and what you're going to do to solve their problem. That is the entirety of the pitch is like, you have this pain, we have the painkiller. That is that is the pitch. On the investor side, you need to be able to explain to them the pain but they might not be the ones experiencing it. It's not super common that your investors are also your ideal target audience. If your investors don't understand the pain because it's not their specific pain, you have to be able to also explain how big the market is of people that are experiencing this, show some customer validation that like, again, you've surveyed this number of people or you have this number of people on your wait list. And then for investors, you have to show a lot of proof points. How do you think pitching businesses to investors here in Missouri is a little different than what you might find on the East or West Coast? I have not personally pitched investors on the coast, but I can share what I've heard from a few friends who have of what they've seen as the differences. And the biggest thing is that they've shared that it seems like in the Midwest or specifically Missouri, investors are looking for a little bit more traction. Um, You know, they're looking, hey, What is your plan to getting revenue? What is your plan to becoming profitable where some of the investors on the coast are more comfortable with just, this is a big idea. We'll figure out how to monetize it later. What is something that you wish you could go back and tell yourself when you were first pitching your business? I wish I could have told myself to have more confidence because I was 22 when we started the business. And so there was, you know, a lot of imposter syndrome that was probably valid because I I was, um, you know, just figuring things out, but we were also producing real results for clients really quickly. And so I wish that when I think back and part of confidence is like, I wish i would have pitched for us to charge more like we charged way too low for our services for so long um and so just you know once we got a little bit of traction having the confidence and you know really showing that confidence on those initial pitches i think would have helped us be even more successful in the early days to hear the full
0: conversation visit missouri com. it is now time for us to get into our words of the week Teddy, what's your word this week?
1: Siggy, this week my word is passenger pickup.
0: Okay, and are we talking about airports?
1: Yes, and one airport in particular. Kansas City International Airport, which recently opened its new terminal, is giving drivers a headache when it comes to picking up travelers. Drivers have seen lines stretch all the way out to the highway, and some say that at the old terminal, this wasn't an issue.
0: Yikes. So how did this happen?
1: Well, officials are saying it's because drivers can't park in the passenger pickup lane to wait for travelers at the new terminal, and that the habit isn't conducive to the new terminal's structure. One official suggested that drivers shouldn't arrive to the airport so early.
0: Well, it'll be interesting to see if the traffic nightmare changes over time.
1: It definitely will. That's all I've got this week. What's your word, Siggy?
0: My word this week is Iris.
1: Okay, now if my Percy Jackson days... Help me remember correctly, that's the Greek goddess of the rainbow, right?
0: That is correct, Um, but I'm actually talking about something a little more new. Uh, Kansas City launched a microtransit service called Iris this week that will serve the Northland. Kansas City launched a microtransit service called Iris this week that will serve Northland residents. The program is a partnership between the Kansas City government, the Kansas City Area Transportation Authority, and a local taxi service, ZTRIP. It comes after residents have spoken up about the lack of public transportation in the area.
1: Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. So, how will the service work?
0: So, Iris works similarly to rideshare apps, like Uber or Lyft. A user can download the Iris app, then use the app to request an Iris vehicle to pick them up from a certain location. The app became available on Wednesday.
1: Okay, and are there fees?
0: Well, if a user wants to be dropped off at a bus stop, the ride will be free. However, if a user wants to get a ride somewhere else in the area, they'll have to pay a few dollars. For a closing thought, here's Kelsey Raymond again on making a
3: compelling pitch to investors. I love the phrase details over dinner. So I have learned that if you give a good pitch, people want to hear more about it later. So you don't need to try to jam all the details in. You don't need to try to tell them everything. You need to pique their interest. You need to get them willing to say, let's talk about that more and that's when you can share all the details over dinner but don't try to shove all the details into your pitch because you're going to lose people
0: well that is all for this week thank you to the m33 project for providing music for this episode for my co-host teddy Majorca, editors emma boyle elena foo nick knoll skylar rossi and michael stacy i'm siggy reese and this has been business brief thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week